My friend, I'm so glad that you've let me come right into your space today. Today, we're going to go back to James chapter 4, and today we're going to really focus on our partnership with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a divine lover. He wants to possess us and to fill us. But we saw yesterday that when we begin any project, it's important that we pray. James was writing to believers who were in the middle of a big fight, and they forgot to pray. He says, my friends, you have not because you ask not. And then when they finally did get around to asking, they asked for all the wrong reasons. He said, now you ask and receive not because you ask amiss. If you missed yesterday's program, you need to go back and look at it in the archives or order the series because we need to know how to begin a project. If things are not going swell, we need to know why. Maybe we're not asking right. Maybe we're asking amiss. These are very important things for us to understand. But today I'm going to talk to you about how to partner with the Holy Spirit. He knows how to pray. He knows what to do. He knows what to say, every step that you need to take. And that's why you need to partner with him. And I'm offering you my brand new series, which is called Partnering with the Holy Spirit and Planning for Tomorrow and the Future. He is your divine partner. He knows everything you need to do today. He knows everything that's coming in the future. And if you'll partner with the Holy Spirit, he'll make everything go a lot smoother in your life. And this comes with a wonderful study guide that you can read while you hear or see the series. You can order these right now. Just go online or give us a call. And remember that we're also offering you right now my book, which is called The Holy Spirit and You, Working Together as Heaven's Dynamic Duo. I love this book. The back of the book says, The key to experiencing more of God. There's nothing more miserable and defeating than to be a Christian. Sincerely trying to live the Christian life without really knowing the joy and power of the Holy Spirit. This book is not meant to be a deep scholarly book, but is meant to lead spiritually hungry people like you into a new place in God, a secret place that he's been waiting for you to find for a long, long time. And my friends, if you want to know how to partner with the Holy Spirit, this is the book you need to read. It's practical. It's simple. It will walk you right into a dynamic relationship with the Holy Spirit. So order yours right now by going online or by giving us a call. And please remember that if God lays it on your heart to become a partner with our ministry, we're going to send you two books as our way of saying welcome to our partner family. We're going to send you my book called Life in the Combat Zone. The subtitle says, How to Survive, Thrive, and Overcome in the Midst of Difficult Situations. We all face difficult times. So how do you survive, thrive, and overcome there? This book is dedicated to partners, so I want you to have it. And we'll also send you Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness. We send these two books to anyone who becomes a part of our partner family, and a partner is anyone who regularly gives financially into our ministry to help us take the teaching of the Bible to people all over the world. And my friend, I'm telling you, people all over the world are tuning in to hear this teaching of the Bible. But also remember that if you need prayer, we're waiting for the phone to ring. Just ring us right now or send us your email. And the moment the phone rings, or the moment the email shows up in our inbox, we're going to release our faith and belief for Jesus to do something marvelous in your life. And he will, because he said, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. We'll ask in the name of Jesus with faith and belief for God to do something marvelous in your life. But we need to know how to pray. 
So give us a call or send us your email, and I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Reach for your Bible, and today we're going to return to James chapter 4, and I want to begin reading again in verse 1, where James is addressing believers that are really struggling, and they're behaving very poorly. Listen to what he says in James chapter 4, verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? You lust, and you have not. You kill and you desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war and you have not because you ask not. And finally, he says in verse 4, when you finally get around to asking, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss. That word amiss, the Greek word kakos, which means you're asking badly. You're asking incorrectly with wrong motivation. And then he explains that you may consume it upon your lusts. If you didn't see yesterday's program, please go back to the archives and see it or order the series because it is so important that we do not deteriorate into this low-level behavior. In fact, it is so terrible. Listen to what James says to them in the next verse. James 4, verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Then he says in verse 5, Do you think the scripture saith in vain? The spirit that dwells in us lusteth to envy. But notice at the very beginning of verse 4, James calls his Jewish readers adulterers and adulteresses. When they read those words, it must have been like a slap up the side of their face because they'd never been called adulterers and adulteresses in their life. Even before they came to Christ, they were godly, moral Jews, and they would not have committed adultery. In fact, according to Jewish law, if they committed adultery, they could be stoned to death for it. And so when James calls them adulterers and adulteresses, there is no more outlandish term he could have used to shock them. But when you read this in the Greek text, there's something very interesting. It does not say adulterers and adulteresses. It simply says adulteresses. Listen to this. It is the feminine form of the Greek word moikas, just the feminine form. It depicts one who violates another, one who violates another, to take something illegally, to seduce another person's spouse, one who violates a marital commitment by having a sexual relationship outside the covenant of marriage, an adulterer or an adulteress, one who is guilty of indecent sexual behavior. Why in the world would James use a word like this when addressing these Jewish believers? And again, in Greek, it's just the feminine form, you adulteresses. Well, first of all, he was speaking to the church who is the bride of Christ. And this particular part of the church that he was addressing had violated their commitment with the Lord. And James says, in the view of God, you guys are behaving so bad. You're behaving so worldly. You have crossed a line you should not cross. And in the mind of God, you have committed spiritual adultery. They've done something terrible. They have violated their commitment to the Lord. 
They're sharing their lives with someone or something else in a way that they should not. They're sharing their affections with someone else. They are suddenly obsessed with something else more than they are with the Lord. And James says, you guys have crossed a very important line and you are adulteresses. He's speaking to the whole church. And he says, know ye not? The Greek says, uk oidate. The word uk is emphatic. The word oidate means to know, to comprehend. Do you guys not understand what you're doing? Have you not comprehended what your actions mean? He is appealing to them in the strongest of words. He says, you adulteresses, know ye not that? Even the word that is very important because now he's bringing them to a conclusion. Know ye not, have you not comprehended, have you not yet grasped that? Hmm, that what? The friendship of the world is enmity with God? What does that mean, the friendship of the world? We live in the world, we want to be friends with people, but what is friendship with the world? Well, the word friendship that is used here is the Greek word philia, and listen to what it means. Friendship, affection. So you could translate it, friendship with the world, or affection with the world, fondness. It's the word for love. It depicts an intense fondness that's developed between people who are getting closer and closer to each other. Two who are fond of each other, who are growing more deeply involved in each other's life progressively. And James says, you guys have crossed a line. You are sharing your devotion, your affection with the world. This is a devotion and an affection that belongs only to the Lord himself. But yet you're taking it away from the Lord. You're giving it to somebody else. And we know from the previous three verses, they were struggling with materialism. They were dealing with their own desires, fighting to regain what they had lost. They were really behaving like the world. James says, you're a bunch of adulteresses. Have you not got it? Have you not comprehended that sharing your affection and your fondness with the world is enmity with God? And the word world that is used here is the Greek word cosmos. It's not talking about the earth. The word earth in Greek would have been the Greek word geis. The word world, the Greek word cosmos, describes society, the ordered system. It could describe money, fashion, entertainment, business, the things of the world, they were giving their affection and their fondness to those things more than they were giving them to the Lord. Now, I'm sure they didn't do this intentionally, but whether intentional or not, that is what they had done. And now James says, your adulteresses, the, the affection and fondness which belongs only to the Lord is now being misdirected and you are reconnecting with the world in a way that you should not and in the mind of God, this is spiritual adultery. In fact, he says it is enmity, enmity with God. The word enmity is a Greek word, ekthros, even sounds terrible. The word ekthros describes hatred, hostility, animosity, antagonism, enmity, hostile enemies. This is hostile with God when a believer, a believer who's been washed in the blood, 
indwelt by the Holy Spirit, who is to be in love with Christ, begins to take the fondness and the affection that belongs to Christ and misdirects it to the old world that he was delivered with, this creates an antagonistic situation with God himself. In fact, verse 4 goes on to say, Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Those words will be are so very important in the Greek text. It is the Greek word bulomai. The word bulomai means I counsel or I advise. You could literally translate it. Whosoever therefore counsels himself to be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And here we find how people drift how people begin to shift their fondness and their affection, how people backslide. Most Christians who are deeply in love with Jesus don't wake up one day and say, you know, today I'm going to backslide. Today I'm going to divert my love, my affection, my fondness for Jesus and give it to the world. No, a person who really loves Jesus doesn't do that. But instead, very slowly, step by step, bulomai, they begin to counsel themselves, speak to themselves. It's a lot of self-talk. Well, I know that I shouldn't do this. This is not entirely appropriate, but maybe one time won't hurt. I'll just make one little exception. And one little exception at a time, their position begins to change. They begin to move from thinking about the Lord and being in love with the Lord and being red hot on fire with the Lord until very slowly their thoughts begin to be misdirected. They begin to think about the world and they begin to think about things more than they think about the Lord and find themselves connecting with the world and connecting with the system more than they're connecting with the Spirit of God. And they move very slowly, progressively from a position of being madly in love with Jesus, red hot in love with Jesus, until step by step, bulomai. They begin to counsel themselves through a lot of self-talk well, I know I shouldn't, but just once won't hurt. I won't do it again. But when you do it once, it's easier to do it the next time. And when you do it the next time, it's easier to do it the next time. Because in the process of taking one step after another in the wrong direction, you begin to harden yourself spiritually so you don't feel the pain of what you're doing. But the Lord feels the pain of it. I'm going to show that to you in just a moment. He feels very betrayed by this. In fact, he calls it adultery. He calls it adultery. So many believers today are in a position that they didn't used to be in. They used to be red hot, on fire. They walked in holiness. But little by little, step by step, they've counseled themselves to become more neutral and more tolerant of other things. For example, believers who at one time would have never attended a movie filled with foul language and sexual situations, now they go to those movies they listen to that trashy talk in those sexual situations and don't even think twice about it. How can they go from one position of being so separated and so consecrated till now they can sit and watch that filth and it doesn't even bother them? It happens one little step at a time. They didn't wake up and say, I'm going to harden my heart. But bulomai, self-talk, self-counsel. Ah, just one time won't hurt it. My friends are going to be there, and I hear that it's a good movie. That's just an example. So they make one little exception, and they go, and they watch those things that they shouldn't watch, and they harden themselves, or they callous themselves. I have a callous on my finger right here. I have a callous because when I was a little boy and I was learning to write, I would press so hard with my pencil 
until finally I built a callus on my finger. And when I was a little boy, I had fun with my callus because a callus has no feeling. It has no feeling. So I would bring a straight pen to school when I was a child in elementary school, and I would stick it through the callus and would show people that I could put a pen through my finger and I experienced no pain. Of course, people were squeamish when they would see me do that. But how is it that I could put a pen through my finger and feel no pain? Because that part of my finger was calloused. And when you make one exception for yourself and another and another and another and another over a period of time, you harden yourself, which by the way, that word harden, hard-hearted in Greek really means you callous yourself so you don't feel what you used to feel. You used to feel that this was wrong. Now you don't feel anything. You used to feel that you can't watch this because this is not for my eyes. But now you can see it and you don't even think twice about it. Why? Because one little exception and another little exception and another little exception. You've walked from one position all the way into another position and you don't realize what has happened because you're still going to church, but your spiritual temperature has changed. You're not the same. You've changed positions. You've become more connected to the world. Now, you may not think this is serious, but it is serious. In fact, listen to what James says. Whosoever therefore will be, the Greek word bulomai, whosoever permits himself or talks himself into being the friend of the world, and now the word friend is the Greek word philos, and the word philos means a companion of the world, an associate of the world, a partner with the world, not bothered by the world anymore. Wow, is the enemy of God. And the word is, is a Greek word which means renders himself to be or constitutes himself to be the enemy of God. One time someone asked me, is it possible for a Christian to be the enemy of God? Well, what does this verse say? It's speaking to Christians. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. When you reconnect with the world and give your fondness and your devotion to the world, you've just placed yourself on the wrong side of the line. You have constituted yourself. You have rendered yourself to be in a position that is an enemy with God. And in fact, the word enemy that is used here, again, the Greek word ekthros, means an enemy or an opponent. My friends, you're not supposed to behave like that. It depicts animosity, antagonism, enmity. It describes those who are irreconcilable. God in the world is not reconcilable. It depicts enemies in a military conflict or hostile enemies. And it's not that God has turned you into an enemy. You constituted yourself to be in opposition to God because you crossed the line. You crossed the line. You're on the wrong side of the line. And then in James 4, verse 5, James says, Do you think the Scripture says in vain? Do you think the Scripture says in vain that the spirit that dwells in us lusteth to envy? He's appealing to every one of us. The word vain, the Greek word kenos, means does the Scripture say in vain? Does the Scripture say to no purpose? The word kenos describes something that's empty, hollow, or worthless. Do you think the Scripture says for no reason or for nothing? that the spirit that dwells in us 
Lusteth to envy. This series is about partnering with the Holy Spirit. We need to understand who dwells in us. And that's now what James says in verse 5. Do you not understand? It's not just about you. It's about who lives in you. The Holy Spirit dwelleth in us. And the word dwelleth, the Greek word kat oikeo, a compound of the word kata, which means down. The word oikos, which is the word for house, you compound the two words together. One that has settled down into a residence. I say he's laid his own rugs on the floor. He's brought his own easy chair into the house. He's settled down. He's become a permanent indweller or a permanent resident. James says the Holy Spirit lives in us. And when we go into the world and behave like the world, we're carrying the precious Holy Spirit into that situation with us. It is a defilement to the Lord. And in fact, James says he dwells in us, the Greek word in, which locates the presence of the Holy Spirit right here. He is in us. And James says he lusteth to envy. The word lusteth, the Greek word epipothe. The word epi is an intensifier. It means over. The word pothe means to yearn or to hanker after something. When you compound the two words together, it depicts an intense desire, a craving, a hunger, a yearning or hankering after something, a pining for something. And we find that the Holy Spirit in me and the Holy Spirit in you is yearning for us. He wants us and he wants us completely. He wants to fill us. He wants to possess us. He wants to sanctify us. That's his desire in us. And it goes on to say he lusteth to envy. The word envy, the Greek word pathonos, a very important word. It depicts a hostile feeling towards someone else because of an advantage, benefit, or position that another person has gained. A deeply felt grudge due to someone possessing what one wishes was his own. It pictures a lover that is irate that his love has given his or her love to somebody else. He feels envy. And he doesn't just sit there and feel envy. He puts into motion a plan to get that person back. Hey, that person belongs to me. They do not belong to you. And I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get them back. And here we find the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. He lives in us, in us. Lusteth, epipothe, he is yearning to have us and to have all of us and to share us with no one else. And if we cross the line and share our devotion and our affection and our fondness with something else more than we do with him, then he puts into plan a rescue operation to bring us back to himself. And in fact, James 4, 5 literally means the spirit who has come to settle down to permanently dwell and to make his home in us has an all-consuming, ever-growing, passionate desire to possess us. He's envious and filled with malice toward anything or anyone that tries to take his place in our lives. So let me ask you today, does Jesus have your fondness, your devotion, and your affection, or have you taken what belongs to him and little by little, through self-talk and self-counseling, you've walked away from where you used to be until now you've lost your spiritual temperature. Maybe you're still going to church and you still have Christian friends, but you know you don't have the flame that you once had. Have you reconnected with the world in a way that when the Lord looks at you, he says, adultery, how could you give 
all of that time, all that devotion, all that affection to the world that I delivered you from when all of that should belong only to me. The believers that James was writing to in James chapter 4, they were behaving like the world, acting like the world, reconnecting with the world, and James said to them, adulteresses. They had violated their relationship with the Lord. Don't let that be you. I'll be back in just a moment, and I'm going to pray for you. Do you know how to partner with the Holy Spirit and work with God? Do you know what to do to make the Holy Spirit feel comfortable in your life and how to throw open the door for Him to do powerful work in your life? In this five-part series, Partnering with the Holy Spirit and Planning for the Future, Rick Renner teaches you how to roll out the red carpet to welcome the Holy Spirit's partnership in your life, what to do if you grieve the Holy Spirit and feel you've lost something spiritually along the way, how the grace of God can change everything in your life, how the Holy Spirit can help you plan for today, tomorrow, and the future. Available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $10. This series is a life changer. In addition to this teaching series, you can also get the book, The Holy Spirit in You. In this book, Rick will bring you to an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit and show you how to operate in spiritual gifts. You can know the Holy Spirit intimately and be better equipped to partner with Him in every area of your life. But you need to know how to do it. This powerful book can be yours for just $15. Don't delay ordering your copy. These two powerful teachings are available to you today. The series, Partnering with the Holy Spirit and Planning for the Future, and the book, The Holy Spirit and You. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Hey friends, this is Rick Renner and right now, I'm standing in what's going to be the future studio for our television ministry in Moscow, Russia. Who would have ever believed that we would be broadcasting the Word of God from Moscow to the ends of the earth, but that's exactly what's happening. Romans 10:18 says their words will go into all the world, their voice to the ends of the earth, and it's really happening. And my friends, we're constructing the studio. Look at it. The walls are starting to go up. And within just two weeks, this entire building will be standing with the roof, the doors, the windows, everything. And then the work begins on the interior. And I get so excited thinking that right where I'm standing is where I'm going to be seated looking into the camera to teach the Word of God to people all over the world who are crying out and who are saying, God, please send us someone with teaching that we can trust. I believe that's our assignment. Proverbs 10:21 says, the lips of the righteous feed many. And I know our job is to feed many the Word of God. And we do it because of the anointing and because of your help as partners. Thank you for being part of the giving team that's making this come to pass. And if you're not already a part of the giving team, please, would you pray about joining us to help us make this dream become a reality? We're off to a good start, but we need to finish and we need as many people as possible to participate. So I welcome you to our giving team and I thank you in advance for everything that you're going to do.
This program has been packed. But when we come back tomorrow, we're going to continue in James chapter 4. But I'm teaching a brand new series called Partnering with the Holy Spirit and Planning for Tomorrow and the Future. My friends, we don't need to grieve the Holy Spirit. We need to partner with the Holy Spirit. And this series will help you know how to develop your partnership with the Spirit of God. And that is why I want you to have it. And it comes with a study guide. And we're also offering you my very hands-on practical book about how to develop your relationship with the Holy Spirit called The Holy Spirit and You, Working Together as Heaven's Dynamic Duo. You can order all of these by going online or by giving us a call and let us know how to pray for you. But Father, we thank you that you speak to our hearts and you're wooing us into the relationship we need to have with you. Forgive us if we've given our devotion and our affection to anything else. Lord, we're coming home. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you tomorrow. But remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there's power. There's power.